Welcome to Power Yourself, where we discuss the most important topic in the world, you. And welcome to another episode of Power Yourself. My name's Carl, and with me as always is Jillian. How's it going today, Jillian? It's going great, Carl. How about yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. I'm really excited about today's episode because we're going to be talking about something that I feel I know a little bit about, but maybe not as much as I would like to know. So I'm really interested in asking you some questions about self-love, and that's going to be the topic of today's podcast. Now, how would you define, when we talk about self-love, how would you define self-love? I would define self-love as being kind of the foundational tool of what you would build happiness upon. So the, first of all, the appreciation of where you are in your own journey and kind of loving yourself through all the ups and downs, always having that appreciation for where you are in that moment and loving yourself through the thick and the thin, I would say. It almost sounds to me like what you're describing is treating your, your own consciousness as you would a friend, as you would someone else. You'd almost like talk to yourself the way you would talk to a friend. Is that Would you say that's accurate? Absolutely. I feel that we can be our own worst critics sometimes. So I feel when you truly love yourself and appreciate where you are, just like you would a friend, because I find we're always so encouraging for each other or you know, like a, a motivational speaker for each other. And we can always find the good in what somebody else does. But I think for ourselves, most of the time, we can be very critical of ourselves. And now, kind why of do you think that is? I, I'm, I'm curious. Like, I, I think you're absolutely correct that you can be in a room full of people and somebody will maybe say something, they'll screw up somehow. And everyone goes, oh, it's not a big deal. We're all human. But yet that person internally thinks oh man I'm such a loser I embarrassed myself but we're not thinking that about them but they are thinking that about themselves and I think we we can hear we can see that all the time in our lives why do you think we treat ourselves differently than we treat other people it's like we fixate on the areas that we we kind of stumble a little bit and we really hone in on every single mistake and I think we make it such a big catastrophic deal when sometimes it's a blip. And like you just said, nobody else might have even noticed. I think because we know the dialogue in our head, we know what the show was supposed to be like, you know, we know kind of what we meant. And I think we can really be almost nasty to ourselves when we when we make a mistake or don't clearly define something the way we thought we should. Maybe. Yeah, that's a really good point that when we go out in the world, internally, we have a mindset. We have a goal in mind of what we think is going to happen, whether we're out in traffic, at the mall, maybe you're giving a speech, whatever it may be. But nobody else can see that. And so it's almost like we're, quote, unquote, judging others based on what they're doing, but we're judging ourselves based on what we should be doing. Yeah, and I feel that we can kind of get caught up in that negativity or that critical kind of nasty self-talk and that makes it a little bit harder to love ourselves and appreciate how hard the struggle is some days so I feel by us taking the time to invest inward it kind of gives you that foundational building block and 
in a way, it allows you to be sympathetic, I think more sympathetic for others who are in the same journey. Now, I, there's probably people listening to this podcast right now who maybe have never even heard of the concept of self-love before, and they're listening to this and they're saying, whoa, where would I start on this journey? Uh, give me an action that I could do today. I'm brand new. I don't know what you're talking about. What can I do today to start this process of self-love? So my first thing I would recommend is, do you know what you like? <laughs> start something simple. What do you like to do? It's funny because you can ask a lot of people that and not everybody has an answer. So I believe taking the time to invest and find out who you are and what you like. Like, do I like time alone? Do I like to read? Do I like to go for long walks by myself? What do you like? And I think by finding that you can have true connections with other people. Yeah, it's funny what you mentioned reminds me of a, a story that I just heard recently from a really good friend of mine. And he's a father and he's a very successful person in business. And he recently was uh, talking to a friend of his because he was feeling a little bit empty in his life. He says, it's, it's strange. I've achieved a per personal successes and professional successes. And I've got a great family. And I feel like I'm, I've done everything correct. And yet here I am now, just turned 40. And I'm not as happy as I could be. And it was funny. Um, his friend said, well, what do you do for fun? And my friend actually had no answer. He said, I, it's funny you mentioned that. I don't actually do anything that's fun, that is purposeless in a, in a sense. Its only purpose is to have fun. And so he wound up um, taking up uh, rec sports. He wound up joining a rec sports league and playing sports with a bunch of other people that weren't very good. And he says, it's amazing. Here we are, a bunch of middle-aged men all playing this rec sports like, like we're school children again. It's, it's, it's amazing. And he said there was a piece of his soul that just opened up and said, it's like being a child again. It's, it's, amaz it's an amazing feeling that for one hour or two hours a week, I get to be a kid again with no responsibilities. And it was an amazing feeling for him. And I thought that was a really cool thing that somebody even in their early 40s could, could, could maybe discover about themselves. That it's never too late for someone to jump on board the self-love train. But when did it stop? <laughs> like being a kid, I think we should always have that curiosity or that that eagerness to just want to have fun. And I believe it it kind of dusts you off and freshens you up a little bit. Like laughing. Think about how good laughing feels and how how positive you kind of feel after you just laughed <laughs> for a little bit. It's almost like the reset button. You know, so by investing and kind of, I love it how you said being a kid again, it really kind of helps, helps you not take everything a little bit too seriously. And what I hear you saying is that on some level, mentally, we need to give ourselves permission to do this. We might have a family or a job or maybe, maybe even multiple jobs, but finding the time to give ourselves permission to say, hey, it's okay to dedicate a little bit of time to myself um, that can sometimes be a foreign concept to some people. Well, absolutely, because I think everybody's trying to help everybody else out before they try to help themselves. But in reality, I feel that when you help yourself out, you're not only going to be able to offer the people around you a better, a whole, fully recharged person, but you're also 
showing them care because you're you're showing them the actions of what's important. It is important to take time for you. It is important to invest in yourself. Because self-love, if you don't love yourself, can you truly, really love everybody else around you? That's a good point. I, I imagine there'll be at least some people who may be listening to this or maybe some people who want to challenge this notion of saying, you know, what you're saying sounds very selfish, that, you know, you should put yourself first rather than other people. And what you're saying is, yes, that's absolutely true, that in order to that, that the best gift gift we can give other people is our best selves. A hundred percent. And to give our best selves, we need to know who ourselves actually is. So how do you go about doing that? Let's let's start talking now here about some of the pillars. So uh, one of the things that we want to discuss here on this podcast are the four pillars. And we're not going to discuss all four pillars with the same weight each episode. But we have four pillars that we'll discuss here. We have physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. So we'll start off with the physical pillar of health. And I think, you know, when we hear about physical um, self-love what comes to mind for myself would be exercise and specifically not so much grueling not fun exercise but maybe going out and playing maybe going out and doing something that is not only healthy but is actually really enjoyable as well would you agree absolutely I would say your physical that's your actions what are you going to do to invest in yourself are you going to go out and uh, play ball or are you going to go out and ride your bike like a kid <laughs> but those actions that we physically have to do to kind of invest in ourselves and so our happiness. What is what is the feeling that you get personally when you go out and you spend three, four hours hitting the trail and, and going on a long bike ride? What 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 goes through your mind as you are biking, for example? I think it, it's a couple of different levels for me. I think, first of all, it's pushing yourself. So knowing how far you can physically push yourself, I think it's a it's a high in a way, knowing you could ride for 40 kilometers and and feel okay the next day. And so not, there's a sense of pride there when you're done and you come home and you go, man, I crushed that bike ride today. There's a sense of accomplishment. Definitely. Okay. And I would say another important piece is I feel by doing like physical exercise, it allows me to be extremely present because I don't have time to think almost. I'm, I find I'm really in the moment when I'm doing physical exercise. So being out in nature and doing that, you can smell the earth almost. It, it sounds cheesy, but it's, it's kind of the attitude you bring to it. It's almost like I'm choosing to take in everything around me and just be appreciative of it and kind of take in the smells or the tastes or the, the sensation that kind of being out in the environment kind of gives you. It's funny you mentioned that. As soon as you mentioned the nice things that you like about biking, in my mind, I immediately go to one of my favorite sports, which is golfing. And to get up early and drive out of town, and you're standing on that first tee, and the sun's just come up, and you get the dew on the grass. It's an amazing feeling, right? It's a peaceful feeling. It's a serene feeling, and it's neat that although we're talking about two drastically different sports, the feelings can be the same. Uh, it's interesting as well, too. You know, I know a lot of us will play team sports as well, football, soccer, hockey, and it's an interesting piece because there's a competitive nature to some of these sports as well. I'm a very competitive person. And so I really enjoy, and that's one of the things where I think you said at the start of the podcast, which really resonated with me, that you have to know who you are. You have to know yourself. And I know, for example, I'm a very competitive person. And so I enjoy 
competing, even if it means that I lose half the time or maybe more than half the time. But I enjoy competing, and that's something that gives me pleasure in my life, being able to say, hey, I'm not just going to work out in a weight room, but I'm actually going to compete with so- against someone else. And uh, I, th- I think that that's neat that sometimes you can do physical sports by yourself or in a team environment as well. Absolutely. And for your competitive nature, I find I'm maybe not so much competitive with other people, but I'm super competitive with myself. Absolutely. Like if I if I did that trail in 20 minutes last time, you'll be sure that I, I kind of in the back of my head, I, I need to do it uh, as quickly as I did last time. And it's neat, too. We talked about the, the competitive nature. Um, Jillian, you and I went hiking this past summer and we went up a mountain and it was a real mountain. I mean, it was a hard <laughs> hike. Every year I get older, the hike gets a little bit harder. It's a bit depressing. And it was neat because rather than being competitive, I felt like the small group that we were with, we were working in cooperation with each other. How are you feeling? Are you doing okay? Here's some water. Um, you know, coming up, there's going to be this little ridge. And we were a team going up the mountain. And I thought that was a really neat way to look at activity. Rather than being a competitive, uh, competitive sport, it was a cooperative sport. I thought that was kind of cool. Well, it's checking in with yourself, and I think it's easier to do that with other people, but the the more we practice it with other people, I think the easier it becomes to do it with ourselves. So checking in, am I feeling okay? Do I need that break? It's not the end of the world if I do. It's actually going to make me stop and appreciate what's around me for a second, and then we can continue up that mountain. (laughs) And what I really like as well is one of the things that – I, hopefully we've got a tone here going with this podcast that everything we're describing is very active. There's a lot of actions that we're talking about, going out and biking, playing golf, going for a walk, recognizing that we need time off. And it's funny because at the start, I think some people might have thought, oh, self-love, that sounds a little lazy. It sounds like you can just sit back and everything's cool. But that's not what we're discussing at all. We're not talking about settling. We're talking about, hey, you can go ahead and push yourself and then you can be proud of those moments. Well, it's investing Investing is sometimes hard, but I think in yourself, my God, you're going to be with yourself for probably 90 years, hopefully. Absolutely. So you kind of want to love the person who's with you every step of the way. So I feel it's really important to to find out who that is and appreciate every piece of it. Now, when you mention investing, that leads us into our next point here, which is education. So it's funny. It's not something that I would automatically think of when we talk about the physical pillar of health but you're talking here with education about physically dedicating the time the energy and the resources to pursuing some sort of education so can you talk about a little bit about that yeah it could be anything that you really are interested in basically it could be a course maybe it's not even a course maybe it's a book that you want to read and you want to educate yourself around a little bit more, whatever it is. It's kind of allowing yourself the time to do that and to read or take that course and kind of push yourself and actually do it. I think it's easy to think of the things we want to do, but it's putting them into actual actions that it's hard sometimes. So kind of supporting yourself and getting yourself to you know, at the end of a long day, go to that course or sign up for that course or set that money aside for that course. I find sometimes that can be a really hard challenge. Right. So when we talk about the physical pillar, it doesn't always have to be hardcore weightlifting or marathon bike riding. We could be talking about something like dedicating time and space to paint 
or maybe you like to draw or you like to write in your spare time, things that you find pleasure in that don't necessarily have an immediate payoff. It's not like you're going to write and then all of a sudden sell the book for a million dollars. You might write that book and nobody might ever read it, but journaling, painting, hobbies, for example. I think hobbies can be really relaxing for a lot of people, and they're physical activities. I always thought it was neat when I remember being a kid and, and going over to a friend's house and their dad played with uh, trains and had a huge train set down in the basement. And, of course, as a kid, I thought, but this is an adult. This is an old man. He's probably 30 at the time, a little bit depressing now, but <laughs> he was, you know, a 30-year-old man's got a train set. And I remember thinking, but that's what kids would do. And I thought, wow, now in hindsight, what an amazing adult to recognize this is what he enjoys doing. He gets to be a kid for an hour a week and go play with his trains downstairs in the basement. And what does that allow him to offer his children or the people around him? That he takes the time to invest in an action that he really enjoys. I think it's refreshing. So that's something that we would definitely ask our listeners to consider is think of your week. You might have 40 hours at work, and of course you're sleeping hopefully seven, eight hours a night. How much time during the week do you dedicate to actually having fun in your life? Is it zero hours, a couple hours? Could it be more? Could the quality of that fun be increased? These are all things that we'd want you to think about as you go through your, your daily life. And I would ask you, what's preventing it? What's your, what's your dialogue like? Why aren't you allowing yourself the time and energy to invest? I think it's really important, too, with couples. Uh, I don't want to say couples especially because, of course, being single is a relationship with yourself. But I find it's interesting that I, I know some couples that never seem to have any actual fun. And I wonder how much fun they are either by themselves or with other people because they don't seem to make it a priority, quite frankly. They don't make, seem to make it a priority in their life. And I don't say that with any judgment. It's just a fact. They're, they're not making it a priority. And what you're suggesting is that we challenge ourselves a little bit and say, hey, let, let's try this. Let's make it a priority and see how this feels. And if it's, if it's adding value to your life, then it's not spending time. It's investing the time. Uh, so the next pillar that we're going to talk about here with physical uh, health is nutrition. And so... It's funny because, um, you know, as we started this podcast, we always have a quick discussion right before we start the podcast. And you were talking about having um, Halloween candy in the house. And I just find this so funny that, you know, you and I have been complaining a little bit lately to each other off off camera about um, about eating junk food. And so I just find that funny that I had not told you about this at all. And you and I are going through similar struggles where it's that time of year. We have Christmas coming up. There's fruitcake and pumpkin pie and Halloween candy left over. And everywhere we look, there seems to be a candy bar hiding. So let's talk here a little bit about nutrition. You might think right off the bat, well, self-love means we can just eat anything we want and we should be okay with it. But that's probably not what self-love <laughs> means, right? <laughs> Sometimes it is. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be easy if we came home every day to a chef that lived in our kitchen that we could have making those healthy, nutritious meals for us? But the reality is, at the end of the day, we're tired. So if we don't take the actions to making sure that healthy meal is kind of set up and made a little bit easy so that when we come home and retired, we won't maybe just heat up that pack of craft dinner or something like that. Right. So I feel when you put the time in and you kind of prep your meals. So on my good weeks, that's definitely what we do. Is yeah, it's something you enjoy doing, right? You actually enjoy preparing your meals for the week. I know you enjoy making soup, for example. So can you walk us through that process? Like, wh like what, is, what is going on in your mind 
do you get up on a Sunday morning and you say, I'm going to dedicate three hours to making this a fun process to make meals for the week? Like what, what goes through your mind when that happens? Well, for me, it's about being prepared. So Sunday is usually the day that we take to kind of plan out our meals and maybe make a couple. Do we always do it? Absolutely not. We're going to have blips on our, <laughs> our what's scheduled. But I feel the days that we take the time and the action to actually making those meals, it better prepares me for the week. It's more of a likelihood that I'm going to succeed in healthy eating that week when I've taken the time and actions to really dedicating towards that healthier living. Now, let's talk about the mental uh, pillar of health. So mental is typically the dialogue that we have in our heads. And what I want to do is switch gears and talk a little bit about self-talk. So when I mention the word self-talk, what does that mean, Jillian, for someone to have self-talk in their head? So I think for self-love, the kind of conversation we're having with ourselves inside of our head is extremely important. What story are you telling yourself? What record, I love to say, are you playing today? Are you playing the positive, encouraging friend record going on in your head? Or are you beating yourself up because maybe you didn't prep your meals accordingly? Or maybe you didn't do that action? So for me, the kind of mental aspect of self-love is what story are you telling yourself? A lot of this negative self-talk, I think, has to has to deal with, uh, in some ways, motivating ourselves. I find that that's often where um, people will sometimes start being negative to themselves as if it's somehow a form of motivation. Where do you think that comes from? Do you think that maybe how we're raised or movies, television, we see the movie where the, you know, the boxer is getting yelled at by the coach and he goes in there and wins the fight and we maybe mentally think, oh, if I'm not winning in my life, I need to yell at myself and that's going to motivate me to be a better person. Where do you think this negative yelling comes from? And to be honest, I have no idea, but I believe it's definitely deep-rooted in our culture, that's for sure. The harder we are on ourselves, the, the more we will thrive and, and be better people, which I don't necessarily believe. I believe, yes, you have to be um, dedicated and passionate with yourself, but I believe you can do that from a very positive kind of motivating self-love kind of aspect as opposed to being really hard and beating yourself up. Yeah. I believe talking to yourself like you are a friend can be a huge asset. It can push you and and kind of make you want to do that as opposed to feeling like you have to do it. Do you find that you seek out positive role models in your life that help you out, whether they're friends or strangers, celebrities? Is it something that's, that is something in your life that you would look at? I always look for people who are real, I guess, uh, and I enjoy the people who can really be positive about that. I feel it's very easy to be negative in life or kind of beat yourself up for what you haven't accomplished, but why are we choosing to play that record? So it kind of Flick it back to you, Carl. When you're out doing that good deed or doing something, if you have the record playing, I have to do this to be a better person, or if you have the record playing, I want to do this because I feel like I am contributing, how do you think that's going to make a difference in your actions? Yeah, it's funny. It feels like if you come at it from a negative spin, you're coming at it from a place of like scarcity or you're coming at it from a place of wanting. Uh, whereas if, you know, like, for example, if you go give blood or if you go 
volunteer at the homeless shelter for the day, you're, I, I feel like if you come at it from a place of um, gratitude, like for example, I'm very fortunate that I'm healthy enough to give blood or I'm, or I'm healthy enough and I have the time in my life and I've, I'm centered enough in my life to go volunteer for a day. I find that when I come at it from a place of gratitude, it's not only a better experience for the person who's receiving it, but it's a better experience for myself as well, that when you give, you also get as well, which I find is absolutely true. Um, whether or not um, we even want it to be true is irrelevant. It just is true that the more you give, the more you get. But it's giving and giving in a positive way, and that's exactly it. Why are you making it just a good experience for the person receiving it? Why not make it a great experience for yourself? And the great thing is about it, you have 100% control over what story you're telling yourself. So you get to choose, is this going to be a positive experience for me? Or is this going to be something that I feel like I have to do? So it's kind of when we're doing those actions to make our life better, or we're doing those actions to be a better person, then the kind of mental aspect of that self-love for me is what story are you going to tell yourself as you're doing those actions? What hat do you want to put on today? What record do you want to play in your head today? Now, it really sparks my memory when you say this about having the, the record playing in your head and about making a decision because I know, uh, for example, you uh, have a very positive attitude when mistakes are made. So if uh, it could be at work or it could be in your personal life, if somebody makes a mistake, it honestly doesn't seem to bother you. Um, you seem to embrace it and say, well, let's make the best of it or let's use this as a learning opportunity. What's your attitude um, that you would encourage people to have about when mistakes inevitably happen in someone's life? I love it how you say it's inevitably going to happen because it is. We're humans. We're going we're gonna to make mistakes and the people we love are going to make mistakes around us. So it's what kind of environment are you going to create for the people around you? And what kind of environment are you going to create for yourself? I feel that if we are harsh and are negative, then we make it that negative experience versus when we're like, oh, it, it didn't turn out the way that we had thought that it was going to. Sometimes they can be the best kind of mistakes ever because not only is it teaching you about yourself, kind of in a way of, oh, that, that didn't work out, or I didn't enjoy that that much. But by allowing those mistakes to happen, you kind of figure out more about yourself and realize what's important to you in a way, and realize who you are really. So this kind of leads us into the emotional piece, the emotional pillar, because I wanted to talk about this idea of forgiving yourself. So sometimes... Um, you know, especially, you know, you'll be sitting around, maybe you're having a drink on the weekend, you have friends over, you're playing some board games, whatever it may be, and you start talking and you start reliving old stories. And inevitably, somebody will say, you know, how about how bad a kid they were growing up or about how they bullied someone when they were growing up or maybe how they teased their sister or whatever it may be. There's a lot of baggage, I think, that people will wear going into adulthood from their childhood. Or maybe they've made mistakes as an adult. How how would you coach somebody through forgiving themselves? What does that actually mean for someone to forgive themselves? So I believe in the process of self-love. <laughs> you will inevitably forgive yourself. Because I think when you reach that kind of appreciation and acceptance of who you are at this moment, I can tell you a billion mistakes, Carol, that I've made throughout 
youth and adulthood. And I'm sure I'll continue to make mistakes. But it's about kind of appreciating the journey and the process and realizing that nobody has it all figured out. And sometimes you need to make mistakes to kind of figure out what's important to you or who you actually are. So by allowing ourselves and other people to make mistakes, it kind of creates a positive environment, a positive atmosphere. Well, I think that having a sense of um, a sense of adventure in your life, I think, plays an important role as well. Um, it reminds me of a funny what, what you're saying reminds me of a funny story where my wife and I were out driving and I made a wrong turn. We were in a foreign town. I had no idea where I was going. I, we misread the map and we wound up in a completely different neighborhood. So, of course, my immediate reaction was one of frustration. I was like, come on, this is ridiculous. This is so frustrating. The map was, you know, designed by dummies, and this is, you know, an awful experience. And it was funny. My wife actually had the exact opposite experience. She said, well, look, we're on vacation. We don't really have an agenda. We're here in this different, we got off on the wrong exit. Let's take 20 minutes and explore this area. We're never coming back here again. We're never coming back to this city in this exact neighborhood so let's make the most of it. And it was funny. My entire attitude changed as soon as I heard that. And I went, wow, you're right. Like, it's only the values that I'm placing on it that is making it a negative experience. It and, doesn't have to be. And the feelings you're placing on it. So as opposed to that kind of disappointment or aggravation by your wife kind of giving it the tone of, let's do an adventure. It kind of, it changes the atmosphere. It changes the energy. And it allows you to have those positive feelings. So yeah, we all make mistakes or we all get lost. But it's kind of, what feeling are you going to associate with that? Are you going to associate, well, let's beat ourselves up? Or let's kind of see where this takes us and explore it. And when did it become not okay to make mistakes like everybody talks about when we're young and we're learning how to walk and we fall down and we fail epically my god I got bumps on my head to prove how many times I fell down but I didn't stop I kept getting up and trying so I think by allowing ourselves to continuously fail like going back to how you said I I'm okay with people making mistakes around me or myself. You know, sometimes obviously better than others because I'm human. But I think by allowing ourselves the space to kind of fail or not maybe be as successful as we thought we were going to be, I believe by allowing ourselves that kind of forgiveness or compassion I feel we can make it a more positive experience. I find it fascinating in today's day and age how we're sort of programmed, society has sort of programmed us to be automatically humble, almost super humble. So for example, if somebody writes a screenplay or if they write a novel, they immediately will say, oh, it's not very good. Oh, you don't want to read this, it's not very good. Or they start drawing and they say, oh, this drawing's terrible. Like they almost immediately have to kind of preface it with, I'm not very good at this. As opposed to a kid will do a drawing that objectively is not that great compared to a professional artist, for example. A five-year-old would draw with some crayon and 
and they're so proud of it. They say, hey, look at this. I drew Luke Skywalker, and it's like a stick man, right? And, but they're proud of it, and it's interesting how we kind of lose that over time. We tend to say, you know what, I've, I, you know, I've been playing, for example, I'll use myself as an example. I've been playing the drums for, since I was 16 years old. I've been playing for 25 years. And I will often say to people, oh, they'll, they'll see a drum set at my house, and they'll say, oh, do you play drums? And I go, oh, yeah, I'm first thing I was, oh, but I'm not very good. I'll always say that right away, and it's just fascinating. So why do you think that is? I don't why know. do you think that we kind of, we always lower the expectations of what others, like we got. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's fascinating to think. And, and the only thing I can think of maybe is that if we were to, uh, if we were to say right out of the gates, oh, yeah, I've been playing for 25 years, and I'm amazing, I think it just sounds like you're a jerk it just sounds like you're an egotistical maniac even if that even if you're just simply being proud of something so it's funny because if um if i meet somebody who's new and i mention and the drumming comes up i'll mention to them oh yeah i'm not very good and, but when they become my friend i will say to them you know what i'm actually pretty proud of myself i did this little you know i learned how to drum three four time versus four four time and this took a lot of effort and i'm pretty proud of myself i think it's more of an intimate um admission to say to someone because you're opening yourself up for um, for criticism and not everybody wants to do that automatically with strangers. Ah. So I think having that relationship with yourself, I'm very proud of the work that I've put in as a drummer over the last 25 years. I quite enjoy it. I find it calming, but it's very hard to, to be a really good drummer. And so I find that when I work really hard at it, I am proud of that work, but it's not necessarily something that I feel the need to brag about to strangers. But when we're talking about self-love, I do feel it's important for me to truly believe that I'm proud of the work that I've done. I think it's, a, it's an important piece of it. And I would kind of challenge ourselves, why, why do we shy away from that? Why not be proud of the effort we put in? And why not have a good feeling or a good association with the hours and the time it took to be as good as we are. I think by us being honest with ourselves and with others around us, it's going to allow a more realistic understanding of what it takes to be good at something. It's always interesting to me. Like my partner, I would say he's an amazing guitarist and he would never say that about himself, but I think he truly is. And I know how much time and energy and practice that that takes. Now, look at me, for example. I've tried to pick up guitar probably about 14 <laughs> maybe times, and I've stopped because I'm like, oh, I'm not that good. I'm not good, so I'm going to stop because I can't be excellent. Where did I ever get that thought process? When in reality, I think to be good at anything we have to put in that blood, sweat, and tears. So that kind of, the feeling of we're not good, so there's no need to try. Like you brought up children, drawing. You have to put a lot of time and effort into being good at anything. Yeah, and I think that as we become adults, I think that there's a natural tendency for us to get slotted into different roles. Um, you know, you look at Dave Grohl, for example. Dave Grohl was the drummer in Nirvana, one of the most successful bands on the planet in the early 90s. And he went off and formed another band, and he was the guitar player. He said, I don't want to be the drummer anymore. I want to be the guitar player. And he's still one of the great drummers of all time, but he also plays guitar. 
what courage would that take to step away from the drums when everybody around him has said, well, you're the drummer. And he says, oh, no, I'll determine if I'm the drummer or if I'm the guitar player. I think that's so cool that if we can even have a little bit of that in our personal lives, man, what a successful journey. Even if we never achieve fame and fortune, but just the journey of actually trying something new, but I think is so can. cool. We can. We're in control of it. So it's, I guess, why be comfortable all your life? Why not kind of associate that trying feeling or that um, not being good at something feeling and make it into a positive like I think when I when I fail at something I see it as an opportunity for growth or when I'm scared I think I used to associate scared as not being good I shouldn't try and now I associate it with sky's the limit I'm trying something new and I allow that feeling that nervous feeling to now be a positive thing for me and it drives me so I think it's what are you telling yourself so it, it yeah. kind of and I love it how we're talking about self-love but you can kind of put this lens on anything it's your physical so it's your actions you're putting behind it then it's also the mental the story you're telling yourself and then the emotional the feelings that you're going to allow yourself to feel for the process, whatever that process is. And that brings us to the last uh, pillar here of, of health, which is our spiritual health. And what I hear you saying is that really this is a lifelong journey and that we should appreciate all of it. We should appreciate the positives. We should appreciate the mistakes. And at the end of it all, we can look back and say, you know what? It was all in a sense, positive, even if at the time it was a mistake or a quote-unquote failure, that we can use these as positives because we have the choice to do that in our lives. And that's it. It boils down to, Carl, you and I, Jillian, we have the choice to look at any aspect of our life the way we want to. So it basically boils down to what story are you telling yourself? For me, you can go back and you can analyze all of the mistakes I've made. But you know what? I absolutely love where I am today. And I love the person who I am. And I would not be here without those mistakes or bumps in the roads. You know? So I have to, me, I have to appreciate every single process along the journey. Because that has made me who I am today. And I love that. Well, that's a fantastic way here to end our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Power Yourself. We encourage you to go online to Facebook. We have a Power Yourself Facebook page. If you can like and comment, that would be great. And until next time, I'm Carl. That was Jillian. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Power Yourself. Have a great one, guys.